0: Hey everybody, what's up today? I hope everybody's having a great Groundhog's Day today. Uh, this is the Arizona Afield podcast, the nicheless podcast showcasing Arizona's outdoor opportunities to you, our listeners, and friends. So, this is the first episode under the new title of Arizona Afield. If you are got some confusion, here's why. Formerly, we were known as the Might Will Well Get Outdoors podcast. Uh, it just it wasn't rolling off the tongue of well for me. It was harder to explain to folks, so we did a change yeah so we're doing the arizona afield and the reason i call it nicheless is i don't want to get bogged down in you know you get all these podcasts you know they're only for elk they're only for muleys, they're only for da 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 i don't want to do that i want opportunistic hunter uh i want an opportunistic outdoorsman i'll hunt and fish and chase anything it doesn't matter to me so that's the reason for this um And obviously, yeah, we're going to be highlighting Arizona. We'll talk about other states, you know. So um, uh, if I go out of state or we go out of state, whomever I can talk to, we have a certain topic. Uh, We're going to be chatting with some folks all around. But the main purpose is to showcase Arizona's opportunities to you. Uh, What is in season? What's coming up? One of the draw dates. Uh, Answering your questions. Um, getting on, you know, just some badass ripping guests that can really showcase what we have here. And I keep using that word showcase. I'm going to, I don't know, somebody ought to get a tally for that or something, but uh, yeah. So for this first episode, I kind of want to rehash that rambling nonsense that I'm not sure why I posted last time. So on today's episode uh well actually right now i just, I just put a tackle box down is today i'm kind of doing inventory um trying to figure out what any new gear i need to fix or buy or replace what worked in 2020 what didn't work um and right now you know i said tackle box so i'm thinking fishing right now as far as fishing uh you know upcoming we got i'll be chasing the flight taking the fly rod out. i'm not sure where i'm going yet but I've been learning how to tie flies. Um, so I've been going around trying to hit either some stalkers or some wilds, uh, Oak Creek wild browns are on my bucket list. I know it's probably a fish that, you know, it's a, or a system that a lot of guys fish, but I haven't done it yet. Um, just cause if you are new, uh, um, hopefully we're going to be doing a big push, getting a lot more listeners, getting this really out there. But, uh, I'm a relative new transplant to the state Only been here, it's less than four years. It'll be four years in June. Um, But, yeah, I've just been really enthralled with all the opportunities that are afforded to hunters, outdoors people here in the state, you know, just with the R3 programs, you know, all these organizations are doing, like, I'm going to do some name drops, like Arizona Elk Society, Arizona Milder Organization, Quail Forever, uh, you know, just these events that these folks are putting on and getting people outdoors, that's badass, that's what we got to keep doing, we got to keep the R3, you know uh (laughs) recruitment retention and reactivation so getting new hunters retaining the ones we got and reactivating those that have you know for whatever reason have left our sport bringing them back into the fold getting everybody outdoors uh and just checking out this badass state um because i mean the other thing i love about the state is just how much land we have oh my god so i'm originally from new york state so if you could picture new york Uh, you got, you know, it's very Southern border, you know, the long flat piece in the very bottom of it has this little spur, you know, kind of comes off of the bottom right hand corner. And that's like Dutchess County and Orange County. And uh, it's, that's what, when you, when most folks think in New York, that's what they think of. And it's, that's not what I'm talking about. I grew up in Canada. Um, you talk to anybody that met me when I first moved here, I said, A, a lot. Um, one of my favorite snacks. It's not healthy, but I love poutine. Uh, if you don't know what it is, you're really missing out. But uh, yeah, so if you, uh, but I did the math here in Arizona, and if that's all part that I just mentioned of New York, if you cut that off, so no Long Island, no New York City, none of that downstate spur, just what's left over, you know, and New York's a big state just what's left over is equal to the amount of land that's open to hunting in Arizona that's um, that's not including the military reservations the native american reservations that's not you know all these places that some of them are able to hunt i didn't include those in that's just you know straight up public anybody no no questions asked yeah i want to go hunt i'll say some questions asked do you have a license that's going to matter but uh yeah, just, it's so awesome how much public land, public access there is here. Um, and, yeah, so this is uh, going to be a – I can't wait. Well, we already got some pretty cool uh, guests coming up. I'm not going to do any name drops for them, but you're going to want to stick around. going go season by season. We're going to be helping you guys get ready for each season. We're going to be talking bow hunting. We're going to be talking rifle hunting. We're going to be bear, javelina, uh, coos. I mean, hell, we might talk about moose hunting depending on who's who comes on. Um, actually, I do not got to go with a moose tag. Not in Arizona. Uh, the nearest moose to here is a long ways north up in Utah. But, uh, yeah, might talk moose hunting. Um, you know who you are if you're listening to this. Let's get it done. But, uh, yeah, so what am I doing as far as my tackle this year? So last year was the first time I ever went after flathead catfish. It's not a species we ever had in New York. We only had channel cats and bullheads. That's what I cut my teeth on. A lot of night fishing. You know, it's a lot of dead bait, a lot of stink bait, you know, cheese and worms and yada, yada, yada. Um, So flatheads, the whole thing between, you know, catching your bait and uh, using a live bait to fish, you know, in that regard, is totally foreign to me. Was totally foreign to me. Um... But I've fallen right in love with it. I love the process. I love how long a duration it takes to, to get everything set up just to go fishing. I love that process. I love the, the uh, meticulous nature of it. But it's meticulous and redneck at the same time, which is fantastic. But, uh, yeah, so what am I going through today? So I'm just – let me get my taggle box back out because I just put my, my camera battery pack on top of it before I turn the, this recorder on. Um, that's something else we're going to be doing this year. Is I really want to buckle down and you know, I do a lot of photography. I'm going to keep that up Um, I'm planning on not carrying a gun or a bow as nearly as much this year. I want to be behind the shutter Um, uh, Whether that's photography or videography so Part of that is going to be you know getting doing some really informative videos and getting that information out to you guys So we have both this auditory and visual uh, learning um, capabilities just a showcase, mark another tally, uh, what we have here. Uh, but yeah, so what am I gearing up for? You know, what do you need to get started catching flathead cats? Well, in order to catch flatheads, you gotta learn how to catch bluegills. You know, everybody knows how to catch bluegills. Well, maybe not everybody, but um, most folks know how to do it. You know, it's a worm, uh, it's 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 bobber fishing, straight up. You know, just like you're on your granddad's farm, bobber fishing for sunnies. Um, but these sunnies are big. But uh, so yeah, you're gonna need that that kind of tackle. So for me, that means bobbers. Um, I'm not a big fan of you know the little or you know the little red, white, orange, and whites that you, everybody everybody has as a kid. Um, so this is kind of an upgrade. I Use a uh, slip bobber. Um, there's different brands uh, That you can use but what happens is the line goes straight through the bobber itself So I don't like the spring ones. Um, it puts too many little kinks in the line uh, I just really prefer one of these slip bobbers, but in order to do it, the downside of slip bobbers is that it's not just grab and go. you got to actually have some stuff. So I've picked up a pack of bobber stops as well. And the kind I use, it's the little red, uh, well, the, one I, the ones I have in my hand right now are from Bass Pro. But it's like a little keychain looking thing. But it's got a little pe- red piece of rubber that slides onto your line. And it's easily move, you can easily move it up and down. The line to adjust how deep your line is below the bobber, and then, of course, below that, I'm just running those you know, just a set of eagle claws. Um, I picked up size eights uh, of the bait holder hooks, but uh, yeah, it's just pretty pretty basic to catch bluegills. But going on from there, that's where things get a little bit more interesting because that's you can do that, it doesn't matter what rod you have. Um, just for simplicity's sake i just use my normal rod you know just a seven foot medium eight pound test uh you know just a basic everyday rod you know you can bass fish walleye fish pike fish you know you can, it's a rod that's good for everything by the time we get our bait we're gonna go find our spot Uh this is boat fishing by the way but you can also do this bank fishing that's what i love about the state and and uh about flatheads is bank bait fit or bank fishing is possible so uh what we're gonna do is you're gonna go out you're gonna find a shelf you're gonna find some place where these fish are gonna be going back and forth cruising at night and the reason he had the bluegills is we're not cutting them up you know th- this isn't mississippi river style you know catching a bluegill cut them in half cut bait style this is live bait um flatheads Unlike the majority of the other catfish species, are they are predators. They're not majority scavengers. Although you know, I have I have caught channel cats, and a lot of folks have on lure style baits. Um, but they're just as easily caught on you know dead bait or cut bait or or ball of worms or cheese or stink bait or whatever. Um, flatheads your success rate goes way down when you start having dead stuff in the bait they want that wiggle they want that enticement to be in front of them so what i've picked up uh is your what you need to get started well what do you need a big rod uh you know you can fight them with that seven foot medium but it's going to be one hell of a short fight so i don't know what he's barking at but uh yeah, so what I use is an 8-foot medium-heavy rod. Something that's got enough backbone, you know, to be able to horse a fish in. But I don't want to totally horse him in. I want to still some play, um, you know, and I don't want to, you know, be sore as all hell afterwards. I want to be sore because that usually means you had a big fish in the, end of the line. But I don't want to be one-and-done kind of thing. I want to be able to fight throughout the night uh, on different fish. So an 8-foot medium um, Uh, medium heavy rather uh i've also got a 10 foot medium heavy but it just gets harder to move around the boat so my eight footer it's a berkeley big game i've had that rod for oh man i bet you i have had that rod 20 years um maybe 15 years uh it's a rod i've used it for trolling back east for walleye i've caught it's mostly walleye pike and channel cats back east is what that rod was was for i think i don't know if i said it a second ago but it's a berkeley big game um with just an old shakespeare alpha reel uh, big uh 30 it might even be a 40 series reel on it it's a massive spinning reel but uh that might end up getting swapped out this year because what's going to go on it is 50 pound braid uh let me reach over and grab my braid here for a second so the main line, uh, I'm just running, I'm, I say just, it's a Suffix 832, it's a super braid, super line, uh, so you know it's going to have a lot smaller diameter than monofilament with will. So when you're reading on, on the spools, on the reels, it'll have, uh, you know, it can hold 330 yards of 8-pound test. Well, as you start going up in bigger test, you know, with that mono, it's bigger, bigger diameters, so you're yardage because it's going to start going down well the super line with these with braid in particular but definitely the super line you know the fire lines and the 832 and um like p lines got a bunch of stuff and there's nowadays a lot of manufacturers have i remember when fire line was so revolutionary but it's a lot smaller diameter so you know on a rule reel that says you know 330 of eight pound with the right line you might be able to if you have eight pound test but you're be able to fit 500 yards on there um, I wouldn't recommend it. you don't need that much line, but that's kind of what I'm saying. Is, is um, So what that does is you can put larger poundage line at the same diameter as that 8 pound and get the same yardage. So instead of, you know, so you got that real you know, 330 yards of 8 pound, you know, you might only get 300 yards of 10 pound. Well, with the super line, you can run up to like 17 pound and still get 300 plus yards on it um so you can put a lot of line out because in which is really good for flatheads. one because you want a heavier test they're a big fish they fight hard you're gonna want some insurance uh two braid tends to take abrasion a lot better which if you think of catfish you know you're kind of down on the bottom then there's a lot of other stuff down there inanimate stuff you know you got rocks and logs and all this stuff down there um that the line's probably gonna be rubbing against at some point you get a braid on there, more abrasion resistance. It's not going to pop. Uh, and then two, you run the braid partly, you know, because of that small diameter, you can put more yardage on it of the bigger weight, and you know, really get the best of both worlds when you're rigging up. But that's not the only line that I'm going to be rocking this year. So in addition to, yep, I just fell on the floor, the main line having the suffix eight thirty-two. Uh, I've just got some Trilene 30-pound mono. Um, I'm still rocking an a mono line, but this is going to be used for my leader material. So what I mean is, on my line, my main line, I'm going to have my weight, and I'll talk about that for a second. Is I'll have I like an egg sinker, egg style, you know, slip sinker. So what it says, just a big chunk of lead. It's got a hole right in the middle of it. So you put your main line, that braid, through there and then below that you know tied at the end of your main line i'm gonna have a barrel swivel um i'm just rocking these size number ones and right on there it says they've got a 48.4 pound break breaking point so it's a little bit less than my main line pardon me but uh you know it's still gonna hold up because below there i'm gonna have this leader um and the leader distance is going to vary depending on what kind of water I'm in. But uh, the reason I'm running, one, a lower poundage, but two, is mono, is if, you know, this fish is massive or I, I need to break him off. I don't want to lose my weight. I don't mind losing the hook. The hook's going to rust away. It's going to be gone. That's I'm not as worried about the hook in the water. Um, but I wanted that fish to be able to get away. You know, I don't want to be caught up. So... I'm gonna run that lower pound test. If I need to snap, it's just that it's just that piece is gonna snap. I'm not gonna lose uh, dozens of yards of braid. I'm gonna lose, you know, just that lower section, that couple of feet of mono. Um, two mono stretches. So that's another thing that I another reason you don't use braid for a leader material on these guys. You do want other fish. Uh, you know, like pike. But because of the abrasion resistance, but, uh, this stuff has stretch. So when you're setting the hook, you know, if you set it a little too hard, you're not turning the fish inside out. You know, when you set her down, uh, it's got some give to it and believe it or not having that little bit of a delayed reaction to having that stretch is beneficial when you're trying to set that hook. Um, like I said, with braid, it's so tough. You know, you might yank it right out of his mouth. It might not turn right, especially if you're using something like a circle hook. Um, and that's something I'm going to talk about here in a second. Is two different hook choices I've made. Uh, you know, where do you where do you use braid as a leader? Is if I was fishing for say pike, you can get a, you can use a braid leader. Um, a lot of guys will use wire as well, just because they're so toothy and that braid has an increased abrasion resistance we just talked about which also corresponds to it's harder for a pike to cut through it um put it this way in order to cut it you generally use a knife or special braid scissors your general everyday normal line clippers you know like your which pretty much is an oversized you know nail clipper it's not going to cut through braid well it's not going to be a nice flush cut it's going to fray it's going to be crappy so you got to use like a nice pair of braid scissors that you know super sharp generally pretty sure all your powers in one spot snip you're done but uh yeah so that's what i'm running for my line um only reason i ran i got trilene is because that's what bass pro had in 30 pound i couldn't find um you know for the last few years very few of my rods doesn't matter if we're talking my spinning rods my catfish rods uh my my bait casters i've ran suffix for years it's just that's what I've liked um I've been running it for well probably about 15 years um you know with the elite and the siege lines uh used to smoke the smallmouth bass back home with that uh loved that line so I tend to be kind of a brand loyalist in some cases um I love trying new stuff but if I can or if I'm undecided I'll go with what I know and I know suffix. So that's what I rock is the 7 832 If you like something else, um, if you know more about the Flatheads than me, definitely give me a ring. Definitely get a hold of me either through Instagram or email. Um, I actually need to create a Gmail account, but it's going to be ArizonaAfield at gmail.com. So just shoot me an email. Uh, you know, Send me a DM on Instagram. I don't have this on Facebook. I'm really trying to get away from Facebook. But Instagram, so far, is where life is good. But, uh, yeah, so going down to the end of the line, you know, we've got the weight above, um, and depending on... uh, I didn't mention this before. Depending on the speed of the water, I'll change up my weight size. Or if all of a sudden, you know, I tend to be running bigger baits, I'm going to change up my weight size. So my go-to for what we found ourselves in last year is I tended to like a four ounce egg sinker. Um, But, and right now I only have two options right now, but uh, I plan on picking up some more, but I run fours. And then if it's a big fish um, in terms of my bait, if I'm using a bigger sunfish, that's, you know, if he's moving my line around, I need to re rig. I'm going to throw on a six ounce um, just to keep my line pinned in place. Uh, and at the end of my line, end of my leader, my, the, the business end, I'm going to tie on a, well, my hook. Uh, I got two different ones here. These are both by an outfit called Team Catfish. Um, I've never rocked their stuff before, but you know, since it's Team Catfish and some of the research I've done online, they seem to be really good products. Um, they happen to be selling these at, uh. I keep saying Bass Pro, it's, it's a Bass Pro nowadays, but it's, I went to the Cabela's over in Glendale and they had all this stuff. reason I bought this stuff now, you know, I bought it in January, last day of January, is this time last year, I couldn't find anything. Um, it was as bad, fishing gear then was as bad as the ammo shortage is now. It was, just, shells were bare, especially for catfish stuff. Because it was catfish season, I was got, got in the game, uh, the game late. But uh, this year I want to make sure I have my stuff. Um I didn't go overboard, you know I'm not not buying them out, but I want to make sure I got gear to get me through the 2021 season. But uh yeah, I've opted for three well three choices, but one of them is just a different size. But uh yeah, so I picked up a pack of the Jackhammer bait hooks um in the 6 ot size. Uh going to check them out. They it might not be the hook choice i'm going to decide i want but i have them but the hooks that i liked last year as far as shape um i didn't even buy them my buddy brent gave me some so uh yeah brent i owe you a couple of hooks just take them whenever we go fishing but uh yeah i um i got two packs of you know octopus circle hooks um i got them in a five out and in a six out uh, I might go back, try to find another set of circle hooks in, like, up, up to an 8 They didn't have any in stock when I was there. But, you know, super big bait fish, um, you know, having that bigger hook is going to, by the time you go through the fish, through your bait fish, uh, having a bigger hook might be what you need to, you know, to be able to drive it home. Because if you're running a smaller hook, in a, you know, a small hook and a big bait, your hook's going to get buried Um, and you're not going to be able to get a good solid hook set. But, uh, the difference is though, is I have to remember which one I'm going to tie on because the way I set my hook is going to be different depending on if I'm running a circle hook or a bait hook. A bait hook is going to be more your classic set the hook, you know, that just that you know, and just getting a home. Um, it might take a couple, you know, I might set the hook, let them run, uh, let them calm down give them another tongue to, you know, drive it home and then game on. uh, If that happens, Um, you can't do that with a circle hook. So if you can't picture a circle hook, if you've never seen them before, picture a classic, you know, a fish hook with a very wide bend. That's just the curvy part in the hook. Uh, But when you get to the point, you know, the very, very point of the hook, it's elongated. And it's been bent at almost a 90-degree angle back towards the main shank, the main stem of the hook. To create this kind of D-shaped circle. You know, if you extended a line from the end of the point back to the shank, you know, that end of the hook with a bend in it would look kind of like an oversized D. um, D is in delta. Uh, So with that point being in like that, you can't just set the hook. So the way you go about doing this is... It's nice, even pressure, you know, between pulling on the line and reeling up the slack. You got to put a nice, even pressure because what that hook has done is it's inside the mouth, of the fish's mouth. But when he's swimming away with nice, even pressure, what that hook's going to do is going to get right to the edge of his, the corner of his mouth. And it's going to turn, you know, because your line's going back towards the boat and the hook's going to turn. And then somewhere in that turn, that point's going to sink. And that's your hook set. Um, if you just try to jerk it because of the way that point is set, you're just going to rub it out of his mouth. The point's not going to be able to get to the inside of the mouth and, and drive it home. Um, that's one of the, you know, because of that, you know, circle hooks are, they're harder to learn. Um, it took me a while to figure out exactly how to run a circle hook. Um, I've, I've lost a lot of fish because I didn't set it correctly. But... Uh, if you know, if you get them, play with them, use them, get used to them. My God, they're they're awesome. Uh, just because you're gonna get a nice corner hook set 95% of the time, you're gonna be getting rid of. You know, the, it's doing it that way. You're not gonna be getting them caught in the in the guts. You're not gonna be getting these really deep hook sets. It's gonna be right in the corner it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be just like you're watching on TV. It's going to be like a fish coming in on in fishermen. Um, yeah, so just a really badass tool. Uh, they've been around for a little while now. I say a little while, they've been around for a while now, but, uh, yeah. So if you're just getting into flathead catfishing, even if you're just going to catfish, you know, here in the, in the city, we have some phenomenal channel catfishing right here in the Valley. And you know, I've, that's that's something I've, i think i've been kind of negligent on is is highlighting uh notice he said highlighting instead of uh the urban opportunities here in the state right now the state is stocking rainbow trout in the community waters around the state so that's includes you know the waters here in phoenix um metropolitan phoenix uh tucson um, i think it might be doing up in payson as well uh with rainbow trout and you know then that'll shift to bass and catfish you know in the summertime um, just cause the trout can't take the warmer waters. They need cool, moving, heavily oxygenated waters. Whereas the catfish, um, don't, <laughs> they just don't. Um, but we have a lot of channel cats here. Uh, you know, you're not going to be catching, you know, big, you know, Instagram behemoth, you know, like, Oh my God, look at the size of that fish. But you're going to be look. you know, you have chances for some 10, 15 pounders, um, a lot of good eaters. Uh, but you can run these circle hooks with them just as well as you can with the flatheads. Uh, it's just all the things that can change is where you are. You know, and the, with the flatheads, and there's still channels out there, but with the flatheads, you're looking at like Lake Bartlett and Roosevelt, and you know the Salt River and um, these outside the urban area waters. Um, generally, with the flow. And the reason I'm talking about them now is in the springtime is because they come in shallow to spawn. So, yeah, I mean we're getting in the season. We're up to February the second now, and you know it's it's right around the corner. Um, you know by May, you know the fish will be in. Uh, and, you know with a state and we have a state record of seventy six point you know seventy six and change pounds. State record, um, you know, guys, there's some chances for some big fish and some real real burners. Uh, so if you haven't done this, I would definitely check it out. Um, but I'll also get geared up while you can. Just because you know it's flathead season's coming up. Guys are gonna start thinking about flatheads. I'm already thinking about flatheads. So Yeah, just get your gear. Um you can bank fish for flatheads uh you, you, you gotta scout for your spots a little bit more having oh, oh pardon. i had to pick up that stuff i just dropped but uh you know just learn the water a little bit more it might take a little bit longer to find them uh fishing from shore but it's doable um some monsters are coming from bank fishermen you know monster flatheads uh and as well as these you know our, our channel cats here in the in the valley um you know down here is pretty much all bank fishing guys do it uh And they have some phenomenal times and get some phenomenal catches doing that. But, uh, yeah, so something else coming up this year is this is going to be a new one. I haven't done inventory yet. That's actually the next one on my docket. But uh, gearing up for spring bear. I got two bear hunts coming up I'm going to be participating in. One is I'm going to try to fill my own tag. Um, Every year, you know, I go in in January and I buy an OTC deer tag. Um, OTC meaning a over the it means over the counter uh, and if you look in the regulation books it's a non-permit tag I love Arizona for that just, just, who else is going to cope with that kind of phrasing but yeah non-permit tags when you're looking at them in the reg book it's over the counter meaning you don't have to draw the tag to go hunt so you know, in the state right now, we have, well, I say right now, it just closed a couple days ago. We have our OTC, our non permit tag deer season, which is an archery only tag, but it's the entire month of January, the last half of August, the first half of September and the last like two thirds of December. So you get a lot of time to try to fill a tag, um, you know, low success rates, but It's a phenomenal time to be out in the woods. Everything's nice and cool, except in August when you're trying to deer hunt and it's 115 out there. But uh, I still haven't quite figured out how guys get meat out real well without some kind of a spoilage. But uh, yeah, so coming up, we have a non-permit tag bear season. And the nice thing about it is it's a general season, which means it's any legal weapon is allowed, Um, meaning you can rifle hunt you know, in the spring. It can be a tougher hunt. Uh, This one runs from, there's a few units that have it. uh, It runs from March 19th until May 20th, I believe. Look up the regulations. It's going to be in the spring season regs. Um, Because that's something else. uh, When you're looking up these regulations for hunting, it might not be in the booklet you're looking at, depending on which haunt you're trying to figure out so we have a general regulations booklet that comes out in june Or it comes out for the june draws which is your deer and your sheep and fall bear and fall turkey and fall javelina and fall bison um but we also have the hovelina draw perm uh, booklets the spring draw booklets and the elk and antelope draw booklets so we have four books that the information might be in. Make sure you're well versed in all of them. Any haunt you plan on doing, have the corresponding reg book. Um, I've actually got like six or seven copies right next to me. And all the sporting goods dealers, you know, any place you can buy a license is going to have reg books. If they don't have them, say they've they've ran out for whatever reason, you can go to the regional offices and get these books as well. Um, one thing to note too with the bear seasons is you're going to have to watch out for the sow tags. So those it's a weekly check-in. So every Wednesday you've got to call in and see if your unit is still open because they're going to have a sow quota, you know, and once, you know, that quota has been hit, you know, which means, you know, somebody whacked a sow, a legal sow, which means without cubs, because a sow with cubs is not a legal take, not a legal harvest. Uh, you know that season is done, and it that and then depending on what it, that quote is for the yearly, the whole unit might be done entirely for the year. Uh, and by the year, I mean the calendar year, you know, Jan 1 to December 31. So make sure to watch out for that. But yeah, so I'll be participating in this uh, for the first time. I've, I'm really gonna take it serious. Um, I've grown up in Bear Country my entire life, still kind of getting used to it. But, uh, I mean, used to hunting them, I should say. But, uh, yeah, I'll be out uh, in March um, trying to get a spring bear. Uh, And that's going to mean a lot of glassing. So, it's going to be going through my gear list, making sure I have my optics. All my optics are clean. Everything is, you know, well taken care of. Um, uh, It's not really a plug because I'm not affiliated with them in any way, but... Uh, you know, I run vortex optics just because I'm not in the tax bracket for Swarovski. So with my vortexes, you know, one thing I like about them is the, is the warranty. It's the VIP, no questions asked, something breaks, send them in. Um, so I'll be going through and make sure everything's ready to rock. If not, I'm gonna be sending those into vortex and getting all that taken care of. Um, making sure my rifle is dialed, which is kind of tough right now because I don't reload. So making sure I have ammunition that, you know, one, I can practice with because shooting is a perishable skill. Um, So making sure I can get out and actually practice with my rifle out to my yardage. Uh, With my current rifle setup, you know, it's... um, uh, I shoot a 7.8 without a lightweight rifle. And being able to consistently shoot out to 300 to 400 yards 400 is my absolute max but on a bear i'd like to keep it at 300 um and in preferably 200 and in but 300 hard limit just because of the deep dark nasty country that they live in uh you know the longer you get further from further from the bear is the more it's not so much it's the work it's the pain in the assery that comes with it so because these spring bears, you know, the food source is going to be deep and dark. Um, it's not a bears and the pears kind of situation. They're not. The acorns are already eaten up. Um, these bears are going to be down looking for the man in the manzanitas. Uh, they're going to be feeding on whatever they can find. So it's going to be a lot tougher hunt. Um, but yeah, just make sure all my gear is set up for that. Uh, later on, I'll be helping out a buddy with an archery tag. I'm really looking forward to this tag because I've never been around these summer spring summer rut hunts and this tag goes into july which is when these bears go into their rut they you know they breed in the summertime so really looking forward to this tag that one's an archery tag that had to be drawn so that one's a hunt permit tag uh, really looking forward to going on this hunt and um hopefully get some really cool footage uh i'll see if you let me video it or not but uh i plan on getting footage regardless whether it's photos or whatever but um, yeah, so that's coming up. But in between all this, I've got a Miriam's tag. This would be my second Miriam's tag. Uh, so what gear am I going to be getting of for that? It's you know it's going to be the same backpack gear as my bear tag stuff. Um, less reliant on optics because the nice part about turkeys is they're very audible. Um, there are species that I've hunted my entire life back east. Um, I, I cut my teeth on easterns in northern New York. And coming out here with these Miriams. Um, The reason I'm really highlighting that this Miriams tag is because we have three subspecies of turkeys in Arizona. Uh, We have Miriams, Rio Grands, and Goulds, which is the three out of the five you need for your World Slam. Uh, And by that, I mean, so you get a World... You get a Grand Slam by harvesting the four species native to North America that are easily not native because Goulds are also native, but... uh, they're very, very hard to get a tag for. So they have what they call the the grand slam, which is the four main species of turkeys. So that's easterns, Miriams, Rio Grands, and Osceolas. Osceola is only being found in the lower two two thirds of Florida. Uh, then number five is the Goulds, and that's because they live down here in the desert southwest. Um, you know, so it's Arizona, New Mexico, or you got to go into old Mexico and get a tag. And try to get a ranch on a ranch down there. Usually, that's, that's a guided hunt. Uh, but trying to find these ghouls, and then there's a sixth one, for, or no, no, that's a world slam. Um, with the ghouls is the royal slam, and then the number six is the world slam, and that's the Oscillator of turkey of the Yucatan Peninsula down in old Mexico. Um, so that one you definitely got to get. Your passport to go fill but uh, yeah I'm halfway to my grand I got an eastern I, I killed the Miriams um, two years ago in unit seven um, if you're not familiar with unit seven that's kind of the San Francisco peaks uh, to the west Williams um, and these trickers are found in, these, in the three main mountain ranges up there so they're found in the Kachinas they're found in uh, what are the other two or San Francisco I call the Kachinas but it's in San Francisco peaks uh, on Sick Greaves Mountain in that range, and I can't think of other. Um, <coughs> it starts with a K, but it's just north of Flagstaff. Um, Something Park is also the name, but uh, up in those mountains, you also have turkeys. But uh, I didn't draw that this year, um, I drew in 6A, so that's kind of the not quite the rim itself. Um, uh, so down in that Rim Country above Pine, you know, the, a lot of units all come together. So 6A is just north of the Mogollon Rim at Pine, although it does touch the Rim further over. But, uh, you got pretty much going from the, bo- the the Rim to Flagstaff, you know, and the whole strip staying to the west of the Lake Mary Road. Uh, or the, the yeah, the Lake Mary Road. Um places i've found birds in consistently in the past so i'll be going up there doing a lot of scouting and what am i scouting for i am scouting for well if i can find the birds themselves that'd be phenomenal but uh, i'm gonna be listening and i'm gonna be trying to find spore meaning the tracks and the scat the defecate um when it comes to tracks and the scat and you're looking for two things i'm gonna be looking for a long middle toe meaning so turkeys you know have three toes think of a chicken a chicken's foot uh, just a lot bigger but with turkeys the middle toe on the male so the toms and jakes are is longer than the two outlying toes so if you can find tracks with those longer middle toes that means you're on the you're you're on the right track Ba-dum-pa. but um uh, but yeah and then I'll be looking for like drag marks um uh, what you also call drag uh tracking Meaning that when a turkey is strutting, when he's trying to show off to the hens, uh, they go in the full strut. You know, everybody thinks of the the fan. You know, they think of the big puffed up bird. But what's also happening is the wings of the bird are going to get dropped. And they're actually going to scrape the ground and create these two parallel lines. And those are called drag marks. So I'll be looking for drag marks. I'll be looking for tracks. um, Scratchings. Uh, I'll be looking for... So, scratchings, you know, picture a chicken. i just keep going back because everybody's familiar with chickens. Um, and these turkeys will scratch, you know. They're just, so, they're facing one way, and their feet are kind of making a V. You know, and they're scratching the soil trying to find whatever they can find for food. Um, depending, And that's going to vary depending on the season. Uh, but you can also track turkeys by the scratchings. So, if you're picturing a bird... Uh, chicken or you know, doesn't really matter anymore. Well the bird scratching what's going to happen is their feet are going to be you know spread apart But when they scratch their foot goes to the inside Meaning so the right foot is going to have kind of a left or a left angle to it and then the left foot will have a right angle to it. So you got these two back and forth and it creates a V and in this case, you know you the wide section is the f- direction the bird was facing. So you go away from the point. <coughs> and that's how you track turkeys just by the scratchings. Uh but you can't tell gender by that. You can tell by the track and tell by drag marks. You can tell gender because you know hands aren't gonna be making drag marks. But the other way to tell is to be, or, um gender, sex by the spore, not by seeing the bird itself, is by the defecate. You can actually tell the gender of a turkey by its literal crap. So what happens is a turkey, a male, Jakes and Toms, will have what will look kind of like a piece of goose crap. You know, just like if you're in a city park, just picture a piece of goose poop, you know, so it's pretty cylindrical and, you know, stays even the entire length. And turkeys tend to have a little J form to them, you know, think J for Jake. Uh, and then ureic acid, it'll be on that the, the tip of the, of the of the hook for the J. Um, that's that bit of white you always see on bird poop is ureic acid, is urea. Same stuff that's in our urine, but that's how they discharge it. But uh, that is in variance to a hen turkey, who it'll kind of mushroom, so it'll have that syndri- you know that even cylindrical, But the end of it will be kind of squished up, like it was like pushed against a wall or something. And that's because it was. It was pushed up and it stopped at the cloaca, which is kind of like the all in one shoot for turkeys um, and for the majority of birds uh, and reptiles. That's why birds are reptiles. Um, there's probably somebody shaking their head or thinking, what the hell am I talking about? Uh, start talking to wildlife, folks that were trained in it, and then they're all going to tell you birds are reptiles. Um, they should just be considered reptiles. Uh, the only difference between them and a lizard in my, in my head, you know, I know that they have legs, you know, different counts and yada yada. I don't care about that. It's pretty much the only difference between a lizard and a chicken is the feathers. Um, (laughs) uh, but that's going to start a whole other argument. But what's happening is the reason why it's squished up like that on the hens is because they don't want to defecate and leave an odor or a mess near their nest. So they kind of create this dam, we'll call it, uh, and they won't defecate, they won't crap until they're away from the nest. You know, a Tom or a Jake doesn't care about that. They don't need to care about that. So they just crap wherever the hell they want. And that's, you know, so if you have those kind of defecates, defecates there... You know, you can definitely tell if you're, if you're tracking a Jake or Tom or, um, cause if you're in the leaf litter one night, you're not gonna be able to see tracks in the leaf litter. Um, but that's going to give you another indication of what you're tracking, what you're following, what's in that particular area. Uh, you know, and, and with spring turkeys is just like, you know, deer in the rut is if you can get on the hens, stay there. Cause sooner or later, Mr. Tom's going to come showing up, you know, trying to get some and you got to. If you can be on the hens, you got her made. Um, what gets real fun is if he's already beat you to those hens uh, and then try calling him off of those hens. If he, he gets what they call hend up, you're in for a... I think it's a lot of fun, but you're in for a long, frustrating time. But, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's what we got going on around here. Uh Hopefully, you don't mind this episode so far. Where are we at now on time? About 45 minutes, 46 minutes, my, my recorder says. So hopefully you guys really enjoyed this. Um, really looking forward to bringing you guys some really cool new content. We're going to be talking about everything that's going on around the state. Uh, oh, and don't forget, I almost forgot to tell you. Today's February the 2nd, remember February 9th, at 11.59pm February 9th, that is the deadline for the elk and antelope draw for 2021, so if you want to try to hunt this year, make sure you get those applications in, because time is running out, and then after that, you know, make sure that your credit cards are up to date, and I know a lot of guys are having problems with their portals. if you don't know what a portal is, if you're just getting in, into hunting, when it comes to the draw, you set up a portal, which is just like an online account with Game and Fish. Uh, and through that portal, you know, it's how you can record all, you know, see all your draw bonus points, uh, look at all your old draw histories, etc. Um, but I know why like guys are having problems with that. What happened was back in December game and fish sent out an email they went to a two-step verification process so it seems like a lot of folks miss that email just kind of missed the bus so you're just going to have to call game and fish they're going to get you straightened away it doesn't cost anything it's just some time out of your pocket uh but yeah get those portals straightened out and I would definitely apply sooner rather than later because as we get closer to the February 9th especially on February 9th once you know the work day is over it's you're kind of kind of be in for it. Um, the system's gonna crash it's gonna go down so get ahead of that big rush and just get it done um, I know a lot of guys are also talking about not putting in this year only getting a bonus point just because of the drought. Um, it's been super dry. Uh, we've had a lot of rains recently but who knows if this trends gonna continue and we're gonna see more rains um, you know before we start warming up again I mean today was my truck read 84 at one point it's hot um today it, it's it's hot it's supposed to go to back down again but yeah I'm starting to ramble so again if you guys like this please make sure to subscribe follow along and yeah we're gonna start keep bringing you some more badass info we're gonna be getting hooked up with some really cool guests. And talking about everything to showcase, I had to slip it in there one more time, to showcase all the opportunity that Arizona has to offer you guys, the Arizona outdoor community. So with that, I am going to sign off for today. Thank you again for following along. Please again, make sure you hit that like, share, subscribe, whatever the platform is. And yeah, we'll check you out next time. Have a good one, y'all.